0: A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there. This is Jose Ignacio Alfaro, producer of Are We Still Talking About This? In this episode, Jessica and Adam speak with Nancy Jo Sales, journalist best-selling author and director of the hbo documentary swiped hooking up in the digital age they discuss the evolution of dating and how greed and corporate misogyny are fueling our current dystopian techno nightmare want more episodes of are we still talking about this subscribe and rate on acast apple podcasts google podcasts or spotify enjoy
1: So we're so happy to have Nancy Joe Sales in the studio today. She was kind enough to come on this windy day and she's got so much going on. I was so excited about her film, Swiped. Swipe sounds gross. It reminds me of like getting a pap smear, and which is funny because it so is, which it's necessary and it's all, and it feels like it's necessary to also do online dating. But your film makes me realize that you know, made me realize, forget it, I'm no longer, I'm deleting Raya,
0: even though I was approved, it's all, it's over. Well, I guess the thinking behind Swiped, which was originally called Hookup, but we thought um, as we got into it that the name Hookup was a little reductive. It became more and more as I talked to more and more people and especially the heads of some of the big dating companies that this was really about corporations. And how there is a sort of corporate technological invasion of the dating space that's affecting all of us. So swipe referred to the swipe mechanic that Tinder invented. And I felt that it was sort of an echo of what's being swiped away from our lives when we accept the notion that we're all just commodities in this endless stack of, you know, this shopping spree that we can go on on dating apps. What's being swiped away? Well, Time and attention and sometimes love and intimacy and trust. Treating people as real people instead of things that you can order like seamless. I made a documentary about mail-order brides. And there is
1: more intimacy in that the men, they travel across the globe to meet these women. They write love letters. I mean, they go go far.
2: They go far to convince themselves that they're not (laughs) engaging in human trafficking.
0: (laughs) I mean, but that's a pretty telling indictment. Of the online dating industry, what you just said, because if you're someone who has looked at both and thinks that, I mean, think about what we're dealing with.
1: <laughs> Where is their hope? Where is their hope? Should I just walk up to strangers? Should I talk to people on the train? Like, what? What? what is the solution?
0: I would like to tell you what I think about online dating, and I will, but... What most people say is, but my cousin got married and they met on Tinder. And sure, we all know that person who met on Plenty of Fish or whatever. And the the New York Times loves to put in their vows section ads about people who met on tinder and got married and in fact when i went to tinder and interviewed the people there jessica carbino who was then the sociologist at tinder that was her job she was the sociologist at tinder she I, she said to me like well everybody gets married you know and i said okay where's the data like how do you know this and, and she said well there's been 23 marriages in the vow section of the new york times and you know that's not data You know, that's just the New York Times wanting to look hip or something or I don't know what they're trying to do by saying this is what the kids are doing. This is life now. But actually, if Tinder and I'm not I don't mean to like, you know, just focus on Tinder because there are now thousands of dating apps. If they are true to what they claim, that they have a billion swipes a day and however many millions or hundreds of millions of matches a day and there's 23. If that's your data. There's 23 marriages in the New York Times. Well, that doesn't speak very well for what we're talking about in terms of percentage-wise, who is actually finding a lasting relationship. I don't think that's their goal. That's not their goal with these platforms.
1: Right. I recently joined Raya. And I thought that would maybe be like the LinkedIn of dating. But with Raya, it's supposed to be, these are people in the industry, pe- professionals, you have to be approved. There's a whole process. However, I have found that there are frauds. There are people who pose as industry individuals, and unfortunately, they're not. <sighs> and I'm sure
2: with Raya, they're just using that as a marketing hook in the beginning. Kind of like Facebook did a similar thing when they were building around. You see some academic- famous people whatever academic institutions (laughs) and then they remove that scaffolding and just become another dating app
0: well look at facebook i mean do any of us really have any illusions anymore any anybody who's read the news in the last two to three years how can you have any illusions anymore about what facebook really is i mean the marketing is so at odds with what their actual goal is which is to take our data turn us into products you know deliver us up to multiple other advertising you know venues to manipulate our ways of thinking to, to spy on us i mean there's some there's some evidence that facebook has been in you know cooperating with government agencies mm-hmm. and so i mean in terms of you know monitoring people so i think that <laughs> i don't want to use the word evil because that's that's really you know that's something that people that's a word that people don't like to use. But I I think that lying to people about, you know, your intentions as a company and stealing from people, stealing their privacy and their the most private things about them, allowing really, with with very, very little monitoring whatsoever, things that are just abhorrent to us or should be as human beings, just break all the boundaries of human decency. Like Non-consensual sharing of nudes, which are all over Facebook, which I've seen all of the time, and like showing people being killed and murdered and raped and all these kind of things. I mean, come on. It's like I think at a certain point I wrote something for somebody, The Guardian, and it just because I think that this elderly man happened to be an African-American man, was murdered, and his killer videoed it because that was what the sick killer wanted to do. It was on Facebook for a long time before anybody even noticed or took it off. I just think this is like a Roman Colosseum. Why do we necessarily think that any of these big dating companies are really any different in terms of what they really want, which is our money? Our bo- this, the bottom line is the bottom line. And they're making so much money off of this, you know, our very human need for connection and our need to have love and, you know, intimacy in our lives. They create loneliness and then, by making that ever more difficult to find it was never easy and then they exploit that loneliness by giving this illusion that you're you know if you just 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 more swipes and oh what about tinder plus and if you do the boost that's only 5.99 a month or whatever it is and it's on all of these platforms right they get you hooked in with these these mechanisms that were designed to be addictive i mean really like bf skinner type you know social conditioning type things that they they devised and told me about it in the film, Swiped, if you want to see it. It's on HBO. So, um, yeah, and just speak about it in this, you know, casual way. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, we're using all these, like, things to manipulate people. But you could still find love. I mean, so whether it's – I'm just trying to say, like, whether it's Raya or whether it's Bumble or wh- whatever it is, they're just trying to get you in the door. Right. I always thought I was too good for um, online dating.
1: I thought I thought of it like – Uh, self-publishing right now it's like everyone can do twitter but after you know for a very long time I was like it's frowned upon to do online dating just like it's frowned upon to have a blog right now it's okay ish but still it's the same kind of for me it was the same thing like oh god I I'm a person who meets people who's I'm
0: out and about I can't be on online dating well what's really insidious about all this (laughs) is they've made it they've they've changed the culture They've, in an unprecedented move, and unprecedented meaning like tens of thousands of years of how we've evolved to meet and what, you know, evolutionary biologists and psychologists call mate, Mm -hmm. what biologists call mate. And it was, again, never easy. All I'm saying is like, they, in an unprecedented way, they have overwhelmed and overtaken now it's only this way the thing that i get from so many people you know who complain to me about this when i interview the the thing that people seem to be upset about the most is what you're saying there's no other way now it's a corporate no i'm going on linkedin now it's fine there's a
1: way
2: (laughs) but that's
0: still social media i know
2: and i think a a trick that they were able to pull is with that long (laughs) evolutionary history of meeting people there's all these safety cues that are built in so when I'm in a room with somebody, I can I can pick up looks on their faces or how they move and how or how they act, and a lot of that is geared towards uh, predictive behavior. So is this person going to be safe for me? And now we've given them a way to completely falsify who they are. All the interactions can be organized and stayed, and you can present this persona instead of actually having to uh, engage on a real level, and I think that's what bothers me the most.
0: Not only could you... Uh, take your cues from the person in the room, whether they look you in the eye, what your, you know your your gut sense of who they are, which again, evolution, um, we've evolved to communicate really only I think 7% verbally. Mm-hmm. So many other things are going on when you're talking to someone. Not only are you there being able to gauge who this person is, but your community was, your friends and your family. And again, there's all kinds of ways that this was used to uh, control women. Because, you know, uh, parents would often say yay or nay to a certain person, and you can marry this person, not that person, and that's, that's that's not okay. But there were people who could pick up on cues for you as well if you had fallen into that that love state where you were just seeing someone through rose-colored glasses, which happens too. Like, you know, you can't really know someone from uh, a profile picture or whatever at really at all. Like you said, people lie. But also even dating someone, you don't really know them. Like even in the past, you don't really know them for a long time. You know, people hide and lie and do all kinds of things even before all this. So this has just made it easier for people to lie. It's so funny. I recently had a conversation with a young woman about this, about that question. So what are you looking for? Because she said, oh, look, not, not to man bash, okay. No, man
2: bash away. Yeah, you can. This
0: is what I hear from yeah. young women and this particular young woman. She's, I'm quoting, okay. She said, they always say, I'm just looking to meet nice people and see see what happens, right? See what happens. Or hang out. Oh, oh, and then, the, or, or they'll say like, "I'm just looking. I'm kind of looking for a relationship, but you know, not really sure. We'll see what happens." If you say to them what she's done, "Oh, really? Oh, sorry, I just want to fuck." They'll come back with, "Well, I'll just fuck." She goes, "Of course, I'll just yeah, fuck." Like, <laughs> why not? You know, like, I mean, so I mean, I don't know. I think that they're called colloquially speaking hookup apps for a reason. I I think that that is what they were designed for. Really, that's what the speed and the the kind of you know. It, Nick Bilton, who's a great, uh, you know, the great tech writer, he works for Vanity Fair. He is interviewed in my film Swiped, and he says all these, he says all these great things, including um, these things were designed by boys. They're not men. They're boys. That's Nick talking. But he also says, you know, if they really wanted these online dating companies to people to really connect, they would slow things down, not speed them up. They would slow things down. So that people actually talk and actually, you know, have some kind of time to get to know each other. I personally, after a whole lot of research and talking to people and talking to, you know, not just people who use them, but scientists, I think that they are ruining dating and ruining our ability to find connections. But if you were going to use them, if there were no other way, why not just be able to swipe with one person a day, two people a day? It's, it's capitalism. It's consumption. It's this, the model is really capitalist consumption where you can get more, more, more. You know, this grocery store is even bigger. This Walmart's even bigger. There's more aisles. You know, there's more cereal to choose from. And that leads to all of these things like what they call dating FOMO where everyone's experienced it where you can't ever really decide on one person because this person might be better. That person might be better. She might be hotter. He might be this or you know, or that or. So there's that problem and people can't seem to focus on one person. And this, this becomes a problem even into when you do have a relationship with someone because it's not just the date, it's what happens after the date or dates when you start to see someone on the regular. I mean, it's such a problem that people I talk to have, not just that, like, it's hard to get, you know, in a relationship with someone, but once you're in there, how can you trust anybody? These little phones are full of people and access to people. I was just talking the other day with a woman who said that um, her boyfriend, and they live together, their kid is in the house. Her kid is in the house, too. They're, they're like a couple, and she is a kid with another guy. And so this guy's like father figure in the house. He started taking his phone into the bathroom with him and putting it in the pants, his like pocket of his sweatpants, when he sleeps at night. And I'm like, girl, he's cheating on you. Right? Of I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, like she's like, oh well, do you really think so? Listen, I, I used mean, to sleep uh, with my phone under my pillow. We all know.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's amazing what people. Will Why
0: think. did you do that, Jessica? <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give you a look. <laughs> she's looking at me, like, come on, come on, th- do it for the podcast. Why yeah, did well, you, do you that? know,
1: because we, we I, I guess I, I was, I was cheating at the time. <laughs> You so guys. I guess, I mean, I guess, I think I would like to say I was bored, but others would call it cheating. People don't call it cheating anymore. Is because that true? I was going to ask you they that. They don't. People don't. People well, like to you know, because you know why? Because people do not, this is, my generation does not define relationships. They say we're hanging out. So I say, well, you're not even my boyfriend then, because we're just hanging out.
2: Right, and that means having sex.
1: Yeah, but they won't say they won't define the relationship which is why it's a situationship it is and i just i prefer to just define it it's just like we are dating we are only sleeping with each other you are my i'm very like old school in that way i would like to but as long as someone doesn't then well, that that's so under the pillow so
0: ancient history at this point i mean it's you know I, i'm not saying like you know you're much younger than i am i'm not saying like oh you don't know the ways of these kids today. I'm not saying that it's just based on what I've heard that's just so old school at this point it's just not necessary anymore for people to feel like they have to define anything or commit to anyone and so they don't
1: well men in, in their 30s and 40s and even 50s don't want to commit so
0: it was yeah. never easy to get people men or women in our modern society when there are so many options and there there's there's part of this that's good, right? We're not gonna say it's all bad. There's part of this that's good, especially for women, you know. I thank God that I'm not you know, what would I have done in those days when you had to like sit in the parlor? And this was this was not this was like right. you 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 would sit in the parlor This and, was two seconds ago in the
2: <laughs> scope of history. You know, it, it was it was an a nanose- eyelash ago. It was a
0: nanosecond ago, which was that in the nineteenth century parents had a lot of say in who their daughters married men would come calling to the parlor no women did have some say in it you you didn't it it wasn't like you had to marry whoever they foisted upon you but there were limited options you know a lot of it was based on whether or not you know this person was economically viable and they could support you and all, all this kind of stuff i would have gone completely mad i would have i would have moved away i would have gone to new york which is what I did anyway, you know, to just get away from that small-mindedness. And young women did go to New York, and they did go to big cities in the late uh, 1900s. There was actually economic reasons for this. And they started moving into big cities, and that's exactly when we started to have dates because young women were suddenly you know, wriggled out from under the watchful eyes of their parents. And now they were working in big cities and working in factories and sometimes to help support their families. But then they also had some autonomy in terms of, you know, meeting men and, and you know, sometimes even hooking up. Of course, you had to be very, very on the quiet about that. But then you had movies like It with Clara Bow about a woman who, You know, goes on dates. And I was like, so it was just like so revolutionary, like to think that women could just be choosing how to spend their time with men. And, you know, this is all very heteronormative stuff. But this is what we saw in pop culture. And um, it was exciting and it was fun and it led to the whole flapper era and everything and really the truly first sexual revolution, the, the, the real sexual revolution, which was the 20s in America. And so that's, that's when we started having dates. And w- it was never perfect and it was never easy and there was always problems, especially if you were women or a woman or, or not straight or, you know, it was n- n- always difficult. But it wasn't like th- there's something about dating. It was never easy believe me i i i lived it but um there was something about it remember dating in the 90s were you young enough to be dating okay you were just a little i was it was fun
2: it was fun was terrifying but exciting sure
0: it was an adventure it was part of being
2: you didn't have a dossier on the person before you saw them
0: exactly yeah it was you it was serendipitous it was spontaneous you didn't know what was going to happen um were there still, like, terrible men and and the threat of sexual violence and all these horrible things that nobody talks about enough? Of course. But there was something about it that did feel really liberating and exciting and fun in some kind of way because it was like the narrative of your life that you were making yourself, and you could um, choose things. Did guys all want to, like, fall in love and get married? No, absolutely not. Started to really break up, and that that kind of thing started to really become less and less for certain in the '90s. And I I'm writing a book now, and I'm relating about online dating. I'm relating this actually to the internet, even before online dating. I think that the internet coming along and creating more options for people, even before like mobile dating made it less necessary for people to focus on one person. But it was was a very, very slow burn. What's now, I think, the problem is that every date is the same. Everything is the same. It's a corporate thing. It's a corporate model.
2: Can you You, explain that a little more for me as someone who has uh, never used any sort of?
0: Well, because you swipe, you match, you message, then you decide what you're going to do. It's like every. So in
2: advance through like a text thread or whatever. You've never
0: been on a dating app? Never. Really? Yes. How old are you?
2: I am thirty-seven.
0: You never been a Dana? Not one. Are you? Are you in a relationship?
2: Yes, I'm married now. But okay. I mean, so when
0: did you get married? Three years ago. Okay. So you kind of, sort of, just missed all this.
2: Thank God. I mean, I, I work better <laughs> in person anyway. I'm not, you know, I, this this face ain't gonna do it. I have to be in a room and talk to talk to somebody. <laughs> so it was n- never anything that entered my mind of I want to create this artificial profile of myself like that just seemed uncouth and gross to me.
0: Well, what I mean about uh, it being a uniform experience now is that instead of, you know, starting to talk to somebody in line at the deli or meeting somebody yeah. at work or, or going on a trip and, you know, meeting someone on a plane or, Nor- you know, uh, on the, shit, on yeah, the beach or through a friend. A lot, lots of things happen through friends at dinner parties. I, I, my first husband I met at a dinner party. It's all the same. You swipe, you match, you go on a date. Or not? Or are you just sext or text? Or this is going to
2: make me sound incredibly stupid, but I really didn't realize that is what was going on at that level. Like, that sounds like a dystopian nightmare to me. It like is. That, like I use that word all the time about, techno nightmare. Ab-
0: about this. It is dystopian. It is dystopian because it's it's programmed. It's algorithms. These algorithms are programmed to send people to you based on all of these weird things. Like, just the same way that Facebook says, would you like to buy a mattress today? People say, would you like, you know, Tinder or whoever says, here's Joe for you. Well, yeah, this dating app, it seems like they're just showing me famous comedians
1: and I work in comedy. So I think that's just weird.
2: And, and this is Raya again. So, Raya. so what they do, if I'm understanding, is it's basically they data mine. And based yeah, on some yeah, algorithm we're not aware of, they probably know what you're, quote unquote, in the market for, which I'm sure correlates to what your psychological weaknesses are. And then they're like, here's this person that we feel.
0: Also it's, also, it's also really, I read recently, you get certain people based on how often you match with other people. So even though, even what? though, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you get.
2: Oh, my God. That's a bad idea. It's
0: what? not random at all. What I'm yeah. saying is like, you are, if you're matched on a bunch, you're high up in, it's not like democratic or random. If you're matched on a bunch, you're like high up in the rotation. You know, because, oh, look at this person. But if you're not, like, if people aren't, like, swiping on you a lot, you're down in the pool with other people who don't get swiped on a lot. Right.
2: So it does the opposite of what it's <laughs> it should depressing. be doing. Right? Because isn't the whole, isn't the conceit that it's at least some sort of democratic system for maybe it's people not. who went, that's, that's an awful evil lie. It's I'll not. Say the
0: algorithms are so, if that's, that's really what should happen. If you want to really, really change people's minds about any of this, I don't know. It's just very addictive. People are addicted to it. You go on it just for a few moments and you get addicted. It's yeah. designed that way. But I think reading about the algorithms and how they create them and what they what they say about you when they send you these people is really kind of, I mean, it's appalling.
2: I mean, this sounds like a Black Mirror episode.
0: It is. There was a Black Mirror episode about it, actually. Oh. It wasn't there? I think so. I didn't see it. People told me about it. Where like you swipe on people and they just disappear in real life. Ugh. Like like oh, I don't yes. want to talk to you anymore. So you, I just go like that and you just like go away.
2: What drew you to this uh, subject matter originally when you started to investigate it?
0: I first heard about Tinder from uh it's it's related to my work with, with girls and social media. I um 2013, I'd started to see all of these terrible stories you know 2012 was a really big year for uh terrifying horrifying talking about dystopian stories about teenage girls in social media there were a lot of suicides there was a lot of really bad cyberbullying. there was amanda todd who you know um got her nude non-consensually shared by an older man she was i think 15 or 16 and uh killed herself in this very dramatic way by her suicide note on on uh line and it's you can still see it on youtube don't don't watch it don't let kids watch it because it's just so So i'm not saying don't watch it i i don't like to think that kids would watch it because it's really it's just really one of those things that when i watched it i mean it changed my life because i wanted to know what it changed my life for the better it just got me so upset and it made me want to talk about this and investigate this and find out what the hell so i went to talk to my boss and i said what the hell is this and he said well let's find out if it's just these isolated incidents of these things happening like steubenville you know where they're like you know this horrible case where they posted video of this girl being sexually assaulted and then People in her town were cyberbullying her, adults as well as kids. It
2: was the football team one, right? So that- it,
0: no, that was different. Steubenville was a party, and there was, it was football players involved, yeah. A couple of guys, um, anyway, they, they assaulted her when she was unconscious. So this just made my blood boil, and I wanted to find out, what, what is this? And as I talk to more and more girls, I'm just hearing these stories, and I'm realizing, like, these horrible things that existed when I was a girl— are still there. Like, you want to think feminism fixed it. You know, it didn't. It's even worse now in certain ways. The double standards, the the ways that girls get slut-shamed and harassed. And there's, oh, terrible problems with, like, you know, sexual harassment and all kinds of groping and stuff like that in schools. And it was just, like, mind-boggling that this was going on. I felt very urgent about about writing about it. And, and so I did a story... For vandy Fair, I think they called it Friends Without Benefits. And the opening lead is about Tinder. I'd never heard of Tinder before. I heard about it from a 16-year-old girl in LA. This is the first time I heard about it. It had really just come out. Because I, you know, kids know everything before everybody else. So when it comes to technology, especially. I mean, they sort of by design, like sort of lead the culture because stuff is like marketed to them. So the 16-year-old girl, this is in the story, told me that. She had had her heart broken by some guy. She had found out that he was like messaging all these other girls at the same time as her, copy-pasting messages, something that's very common um, even now. This is 2013, and she kind of got her heart broken, so she said she had wanted to lose her virginity to him. And there's this great pressure on girls to be sex positive and to become sexual and sexualized and all this kind of stuff. So she's, she said, hey, you know, he broke my heart, so what I was going to do is go on Tinder and just lose it to somebody on Tinder, some random dude. Like that was her way of like dealing with it. So I said, what's Tinder? So she she takes it out of her purse and just like shows me. And I'll never forget the first time I saw it. We were sitting in like a mall in L.A. There was a girl in L.A. And I just thought, oh, no, this is just going to change the world in a really bad way. It just looked really – because she's 16 years old and she's like – Getting these matches is like ding, 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 and it all looks fun like a slot machine. And then within moments, she's getting these, she's a cute young girl, and she's getting these weird messages from older men saying like, hey, want to meet up? Are you available in 10 minutes? Like stuff like that. She didn't ultimately wind up losing her virginity to this guy that she went out on a date with on Tinder, but they wound up hooking up in a mall, in a pottery barn, on a couch. I mean, like just come on just like the most depressing sort of thing and then she he had wanted her to get in his car just this whole scenario just said to me like Pray oh my enough. god yeah well he was i think her age but still it was just very it was it just seemed it just didn't seem like it was a good thing for a 16 year old girl to be doing at that time tinder allowed 13 to 17 year olds to be on the app really yeah Ugh. no 13 yes. mhm yeah, oh no, I'm quite certain of that. Wow. Since then they have said that thirteen to seventeen you have to be eighteen now, thirteen to seventeen year olds cannot be on the app anymore. Of course they still are though, because right. they make fake profiles on Facebook and there's no age there's no age monitoring. There was recently an 11, year, this is all, this is, I'm sure of this, there was recently, I tracked these sort of like dating app rapes and sexual violence, things that happen in the news, which I'm sure it's just a fraction of what really happens, because I'm now writing a book on online dating, and this is one of the issues. Recently, an 11-year-old girl was raped by a man she met on a dating app. I'm pretty sure it was Tinder. And, um, you know, I mean, they're kids, they're lonely, they're, they're curious, just like you were, right. and you're AOL. Same thing. What if that had been like with pictures and, you know, right. who knows if you would have gone out to meet these people. Then it was just like dial up and there's just no pictures or anything. You're just typing on your computer and none of this was normalized yet. Now it's so normalized. You know, she's hearing that this is how people date now. And I want to date. I want somebody to love me. I want somebody to think I'm beautiful and all this kind of stuff. That,
2: she's 11 years old. Yeah. So she doesn't have any sort of reference point.
0: And no parents looking at what she's doing on her phone which I tell parents to do, and they think they do, but you know, sometimes you can't even really know what they're doing. Just don't give them a phone. I know all parents are like, oh, well, how will they live? They, they don't need it, believe me. I mean, when I, my book came out, I was very careful. I, oh, I don't want to tell you all what to do. It's not my place. But now, whatever. Don't give them a phone. That's what I think. Don't. You don't need it. I had a kid. She's fine. She goes to NYU. She's cool. Like everything worked out. She has friends. My friend, like, uh, my friend
1: Rami, he has a sitcom coming out on Hulu, and he he said that his mom gave him a walkie-talkie. <laughs> he didn't have a cell phone. Well, you
0: can get him a you can get him a um a flip phone. No, my daughter had a flip phone where you know it's like it's really hard to text. Oh, it's completely aggravated. It costs a hundred dollars. I put a hundred dollars on that thing. This little plastic AT and T thing. I put a hundred dollars at the beginning of the year. It lasts a whole year. I. And yeah. on the bus, you know, like they, they can still contact them. They just don't need these screens that are going to get them addicted, affect their sleep patterns, affect their 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 ability to concentrate, affect their eyes. You know, make them anxious and depressed when they see girls on Instagram that they don't measure up to. Big air quotes. All this crap. Get dick pics. You know, send nudes. Come on, that's just. So anyway, I first heard about it from this teenage girl and um that was my first introduction to it and it just seemed like wow this is going to change everything and it did and i'll never forget the first time actually in the film swiped when i you see there's a moment where there's an evolutionary psychologist a lot of feminists don't like evolutionary psychology which i understand because it's been used in ways to like be sexist against us like you're this way because of this i don't
2: I racism, don't, too, there's a little bit of a racist issue with it, that. It has been used that thought, way. Yeah.
0: But on the other hand, th- well, this guy, David Buss, he, he writes about, he, he, he studies and writes about sex and dating. And on the other hand, like, we can't deny that we come from somewhere, we did something. If we want to change our behavior, let's change it. But let's, or if we want to change attitudes, let's change them. But like, we kind of have to know some information about what we did before. It's, it's useful to just understand who we are.
2: It's insane to ignore. It's positively insane.
0: I think so. But yeah. anyway, so I'm just saying that the, I, I showed David Buss, who's this, like, renowned evolutionary psychologist, Tinder. And there's <laughs> you can see in the film when he's looking at it. We, we don't have the moment where he looks at it for the first time, but we show him looking at it. And he's just fascinated. And I remember he looked at it and he said, oh, my God, because this is unprecedented. I think someone else I interviewed, a scientist from the Kinsey Institute, said we're in completely uncharted territory. We just don't know this. This is going to do to us eventually. You know how can we know when something so different than what we've experienced in the past happens all of a se- sudden and so globally? I mean, we're talking like hundreds of millions of people in every country.
2: So when a company like Tinder um, knows or is confronted about that they facilitated the rape of an eleven-year-old. Uh, one would hope that that would be some sort of crime. So then, how how do their lawyers justify? The they say lack?
0: nothing. They do nothing. They act like it never happened. They don't have any response whatsoever, usually, and except you know some sort of corporate uh, platitudes. That, oh, we want everybody to be safe. But the real the real problem with all of these online dating companies and online uh, companies in general is Section two hundred and thirty. Everybody who studies this stuff talks about it. it's the problem. Is Section two hundred and thirty. Section two hundred and thirty is a part of the um, Communications Decency Act of, I believe, nineteen ninety six. It's a long thing. Wikipedia, whatever, Google. But it's Section two hundred and thirty, which basically says that these companies cannot get sued for third party actions on their platforms. It's something that protects social media companies and uh, internet servers and uh, online dating companies as well from any sort of legal action for anything that happens on the apps.
2: I'm a deeply cynical person. So in my mind, I would assume that they knew about this and thought to themselves, well, maybe I can use this for an unfettered economic model. Do you think that's true at all? Or they just kind of happened upon it? Who? Who? Uh, the tech companies, like, like did they have the foresight to know, well, we're basically indemnified if we facilitate they this They are stuff. indemnified.
0: They're, they're all indemnified. I think that how a lot of these, I mean, as Nick Bilton, the tech writer, describes it in our film, a lot of these companies, whether they're online dating or whatever, just happen because it's, a, you know, like Facebook. It's a bunch of guys, usually guys, because they're the ones who get the money. And they're the ones who get the backing and get the chance to do it. They're sitting around in a college dorm room or sitting around in their, you know, hovel of an apartment saying, like, how can we make an app? Right. You know, <laughs> like, what can we make? I know. Let's make an app where guys like us can get laid. Right. You know, that's so kind of. So now their sweatpants scratch they their, <laughs> you know what. <laughs> that's kind of how it happens, yeah. I think. I could see it. Yeah. And then Whitney Wolf comes along and gives her twist, which is, well, no, mine is feminist because. Only women can talk first, but I just don't think. Oh, blame me. I met a psychopath <laughs> on Bumble. They've Bumble. had
2: Sadie Hawkins dances for a while. I mean, you
0: know. <laughs> it's I'm the exact never same get design as for- exactly. And also what I heard from guys that I interview about this is like, no, they like Bumble because, and I'm quoting someone, then I know I can smash because I've already gotten the nod from the woman that she likes
2: me. So it's some fucked up implied consent. Exactly. Yeah, that's fun. Jesus Christ.
0: That's what I think. I mean, Whitney Wolf and I, uh, you know, to her credit, even though the film Swiped is not uh, flattering to Bumble or any dating app at all. She reached out to me recently because um, somebody said, what do you think of the Serena Williams ad? Because Serena Williams did a Bumble partnership kind of about how feminist, you know, is Bumble. I love Serena Williams. no. Nothing but love for Serena Williams, who is, you know, Serena Williams. But somebody said to me on Twitter or something, what did you think of that? Because you're such a critic of how Bumble isn't really as feminist as its marketing, you know, alleges. And I said, well, you know, and so I just, you know, I I said my thing about how I, th- I think it's a lie <laughs> that Bumble's feminist. I don't think this is feminism. I think it's just a way of, you know, using feminist discourse to sell I build, you know, so sell something to, to women. And uh, it's all about money. And I, I didn't at anybody. I didn't, you know, try and blow it up anyway. I, I don't really have a lot of followers on Twitter. I just was like answering somebody who asked me. And so the Bumble marketing team or Bumble, Twi- Bumble Twitter tweeted at me, Oh, Nancy Joe, we know you're an incredible person. If you're having trouble getting a relationship, you just need to reach out to us, DM us privately, and we can help. Or something like that. And I was like, what? And then I was like, wait, what are you saying? So my critique of Bumble as, like, a reporter, a journalist, a writer, a filmmaker, my critique of online dating is all because I don't have a boyfriend? Oh, that's real feminist. What a mindfuck. Right? So... So I was like, I sort of said, huh, that's, that's, and all these people said like, oh, that just kind of proves your point. So Whitney Wolf heard, she's now married, did not meet her husband on Bumble, met him on a skiing trip in Aspen. I just happen to know that because, anyway, because I study this stuff. And so she reached out to me, said, oh God, we're just so sorry. And we're just so feminist over here. And we wouldn't want to ever imply yada, yada. And she sent me these long emails, like, I don't know, five or six, like really long, really long emails about how feminist they are, and just as a woman who has you know suffered from sexual harassment myself, I'm just here trying to make the world a better place for women and all this stuff going on and on and on. and it was just really very like the lady doth protest too much because I was just answering her back like, "Hey, you know, uh, and she wanted to partner with me and all this kind of stuff, and I was just sort of like, "Hey, you know what? I can't do that. I just think that the very nature of what you're doing here, is, is just never gonna work so I, and this is a ca- you're a businesswoman you're a capitalist you're a businesswoman you're trying to make money you know thanks for reaching out to me oh and also I told her that this friend of mine who had gone on a bumble date recently because it doesn't you know just because you're on bumble it doesn't change men and it doesn't change not that all men are misogynist but we live in misogyny I mean I think we're all pretty you know, accepting of that word now. You couldn't even say it a few years ago. When I did my book, American Girls, two thousand sixteen, I was counseled not to use the word misogyny because it was because it was too. Well, I'm not going to say because it was it was just too much. But
2: like a publishing company. Well, I'm not going to say,
0: but but now so it's like company. there's a there's an yeah. article that came out I think in the Washington Post like yesterday like or day before Washington Post or New York Times saying like we're now all saying misogyny like yeah it exists like you couldn't even say it without seeming like hairy-legged Andrea Dworkin reading she's great by the way everyone read her feminist you know um vilified for no reason She's genius so I just think it Bumble's marketing kind of suggests to women like if you use this app it will all be different mm. everything about it will be different and uh, your experience will be so different but it doesn't change misogyny it doesn't change men so I t- was talking to this young friend of mine, she said she went on a Bumble date and she said, I w- tried to get to know him and went on three dates so I'm having sex with him and he just fucking hits me in the face, like slaps me in the face, like fucking Tony Soprano, like <laughs> And I was like, and she said, I didn't say I wanted to do BDSM or it wasn't like an agreed upon thing. He's just fucking hitting me while we're having sex. So I told this to Whitney Wolf on the email and I was like, see, like it's not, just you it's the idea that your marketing says that this is going to make it all different it's not she said oh i'm so sorry for your friend if there's anything we can do to help her and all this kind of stuff i mean come on it's like it's thank you for for offering that but your lip service does nothing for the you know untold numbers of women who who deal with this stuff on a regular basis right You know, talk about that because we know this guy said Tinder aren't going to do it. If you're a feminist and you run a feminist dating app, then let's talk about misogyny instead of, you know, how Serena Williams likes your app. Let's talk about misogyny. Let's do that.
2: How how do these apps make money? Like, um, how does Bumble?
1: Well, you have to buy memberships.
2: So it costs something to sign up for all. So if I wanted to sign up for Tinder right now, you give them a credit card and they bill you two or three dollars a month or how?
0: they make so much money they make money because they get people addicted and you're on there it's just like the same thing as drugs you know like the drug dealer will give you a little bump like ooh, that shit is good and then you want more and then you have to pay for it like oh you want more swipes all of social media is a dating site now though yeah are there free versions
2: you know what i mean but they
0: they I mean, they, yes limit, no. they limit your ability to swipe. And also, if you're not paying, you're down in the dirty pool. Okay, that answers my <laughs> question. <laughs> I mean I hate to yeah. put it like that, but that is true. Right, so so you, the more you pay, the more you get.
2: Utter and complete commodification. It's yeah.
0: all these things. It's like, see who liked you and, and yeah. pay more and get this and get that. It's a total scam. I don't know exactly which companies do exactly what but it's also advertising based i mean they have advertising Mm. they're selling advertising
2: and they have to be stealing and mining data like i'm sure
0: think of all the things they know about people oh my god one day it's do people really think that look at what happened with ashley madison there were suicides off of that i mean that was terrible that was terrible all these guys who were you know, cheating on their wives were found out and there were suicides because of it. Do people, people talk about everything on these apps, like what they're into, what they like, their mothers, their fathers, their sisters, their brothers, their work, their this, their that. I mean, people, you get into this thing with this anonymous stranger and you feel like you're on a date, you feel like it's, you want someone to listen to you. You want, you know, like they're tapping into your need for, for, to reveal yourself to someone and to be heard. And Suddenly, people are talking about all kinds of shit, like they're just telling each other, and everything. then
1: they unsend it because there, there's that feature, but it's but always there. They're all on servers, right? I there's know. no
2: way all of this doesn't even exist. though it,
1: you can unsend something. Can you now? I you can, you can unsend. I haven't seen that feature. Well, only on Instagram direct. You oh. can send a message, and it could be there, they could read it, and then you could unsend it. I
2: mean, oh. am I being paranoid? To think that all of that information is sitting somewhere.
1: Of, of course, course it is. is. Right? So,
2: and people are fine. This is, again, is a disconnect for me because uh, just even this conversation horrifies me. But people are fine with the fact that their intimate partner chats and their dating history and overtures. We're used dogs. to it
1: by now. It's sexu- the norm.
2: I didn't even know that you people are sharing nude photos over this. So that it is all in like a please blackmail me location <laughs> somewhere.
0: Well, there was. I just, I, I, I. You know, I have this sort of uh, unofficial element of my Twitter, which again I don't have many followers at all, but which is sort of like dating apps are rape culture news. Mm-hmm. And so, in my dating apps are rape culture news on my Twitter feed. Yesterday, I posted this thing about a guy who was doing sextortion. It's called extortion for sexing nudes, whatever, on women he met on Tinder, and he was uh, he was arrested, but. He's the one who got arrested.
2: So he was basically running a business, tricking women into giving them nude photos, and then as soon as they did, saying, I'm going to show your entire family if you don't give me money.
0: Okay. So there's this great book, Hate Crimes in Cyberspace, by Danielle Citron, who's a University of Maryland law professor who's, who talks in our film. And she, she really, um, you know, just, she's really, she, it's a really important book to read, to understand how women are, harass online and 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 all of the again this is all kind of new so there's like all these legal challenges to how to really uh deal with it and her book has led to some changes in the law carrie goldberg is the uh lawyer who
2: and we, had her we on. just had
0: her on oh well, carrie has a book coming out yeah. soon yes yeah. okay so the same these same issues that these brilliant women are writing about are a factor on in dating app culture too it's just no one talks about it it's like If you only read the things that are published in the New York Times and the Washington Post and most mainstream media about dating apps, if you only read from these mainstream media outlets, which are mostly run by, let's face it, white men in their 40s and 50s who assign stories like that to usually white women in their maybe 30s and 40s, which is how, you know, I work in media. I mean, this is how this is how it works. This is who's running the show at these mainstream media outlets. All you would read is like, oh, but you know, people are getting married and it's okay. And like that that's the main narrative. This is just, this is just another way we're doing things now. And it's really fine. And look at the New York Times vows section. And there's there's no sort of awareness or outrage i i feel like what we need is outrage for the ways in which these companies are hoodwinking people manipulating people the ways in which people are abusing these platforms this is what i have tried to do in my work is talk about th- this aspect of it
2: if you could give us a, some of some of those headlines that should be written or stories that people should know about that maybe in your rape culture feed what would some of them be
0: um are dating apps rape? Uh, rape culture, <laughs> you know? Question mark. And then just you just sort of taking it from there. I actually asked that in the film of the head of you know the biggest site of all, Match, which is the umbrella company that owns Tinder and OkCupid. And I didn't know that. Yeah, <sighs> Match is this dating. I put my grandmother giant. on Match, by the way, and she was
1: like spammed by all these men. <laughs> oh God! And she was like, get me every day. She's like. You got to get me off match. I'm on the match. I don't want to be on the match. Okay. I'm getting about 50 emails from match. They're like, they want to date a MILF. <laughs> yeah. The she's so f- I actually, I feel guilty. <laughs> I made match profiles for t- a lot of elderly oh women God, the- in Boca Raton. I have to confess. I made profiles. I took their, I was their photographer. I had them posed by trees, the palm tree. Okay. give us some little shoulder and I made profiles I wrote the profiles for them and one of them actually met someone
0: but you know what I think I've talked to women from my book that I'm doing now I've talked to older older women who are using dating apps now because now it's everybody right because there's no other way to date and it seems fun and easy right that's how it's marketed and actually I mean I don't want to say I don't really know this for sure yet I haven't done enough research yet but what it seems like from the limited research that I've done It's actually better for older people. I think so. You know why? Because for my grandmother, but yeah. Well, sorry about your grandma. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not. Older people get scammed all the time too. Got to be careful about that. But when it comes to dating, because they don't see the they their their mind is back in the 20th century. Like they don't see the meeting as a way to like have sex and date five other people at the same time. And the treads and the groove of their dating behavior is so deeply ingrained that they think, you know, we're going to go to dinner and we're going to get to know each other and we're going to, you know, maybe have sex. And like for women in their, you know, who are older, like me, and I'm in my 50s and people who are women who are older in their 60s and 70s, I mean, hooking up doesn't necessarily have the same – thing going on that it does for younger women that i've talked to where the guy is just so incredibly disrespectful like if we're gonna have sex if we're gonna have an affair you know we used to call it having an affair like let's make it sounds lovely let's make it lovely let's make it lovely let's like fuck each other for a while and like but like be nice to each other and like make each other feel special you know we we didn't always fuck and think like oh and then we're like walking down the aisle it wasn't like that we used to have this idea that, like, you could do these things, you can enjoy each other, you could have pleasure with each other and fun, and but not feel like you, everything you do had to signal to this person at every moment that you don't care about them. I think
1: the title of the episode is actually going to be called Let's Just Go Back to Fucking.
0: <laughs> Let's be like fucking with, I'm just with some respect. Yeah. And making someone feel good, you know? There's this idea, and I think this is what I hear a lot from from girls, from from young women, is that the sense of entitlement in a lot of young men that, like, if I do the slightest thing, you know, I don't want to make her think I like her.
2: Well, you're fucking her. Like... When, when, when did that start in your research? And how? Like,
0: ugh. It's hookup culture, which has been percolating for a really long time, but I think really went into overdrive with dating apps. But it got... It started to heat up, really, with the internet and into the 2000s where... You know, I started to hear this phrase, which I've heard over and over and over again. It's it's a contest to see who can care less. I mean, that just sounds Jeez. awful. Although it
2: sounds like the worst possible way to live your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how am I going to guarantee that I waste my gift of life? Well, I won't care about my interactions right. with others. I mean, it's, it's insane.
0: And it's not the way to have uh, a civil society or a just society. It's not the way to have mental health. It's not the way to have... A, you know, a world in which um, you can find love.
2: It's a roadmap for genocide. Like if you were to look at.
0: It's an apocalypse. People people made fun of my story, tender in the dawn of the dating apocalypse, because they said, oh, it's not an apocalypse. I have people still go on dates. Dating apocalypse was a quote. It was a quote within the headline. And I didn't write the headline. My editor did. But I think it was a good headline because that is how it feels to a lot of people. I mean, here we are on the brink. Right. Like we're on the brink. No, no joke. Yep. Like, you know, if we don't do something to turn this ship around in terms of, like, you know, where we're going with the environment very, very quickly, that's it. Bye-bye, humanity. And at the same time, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad but true, right? Yeah. And, and little kids know this. There's this wonderful girl, I'm uh, embarrassed, I can't remember her name. I've been reading about her, who is leading this climate change movement. Like, young kids, like teenage girls are, are marching in Europe about this. And it's coming here, too. And, uh, I mean, among, among this, this sort of wave of, of uh, youth. It's already started. But so at the same time, it's it just seems like so reflective of the same exact thing. It's like we're losing we're losing our connection to the earth. We're losing our connection to each other. And a lot of it has to do with the way that we're using technology to navigate and mediate all of our interactions with each other.
1: Well, well I'm thankful for technology for being able to connect with you, to invite you to
0: come on this podcast. So I like talking to you guys. Look. Yeah. Well, Jessica, what are you going to do in terms of your, I don't what know. do you want? See, that's the thing is with young women. No a lot idea. of times they don't know what they want. It's hard to know because if you get married, take it from me, it's not necessarily a bed of roses either. I mean, misogyny doesn't stop once you get married. In fact, sometimes it gets worse. You're still taking care of the kids. You're taking care of the house. You know, like, he resents you because you make more money than him. Like, all right. these other things happen. You still have phones. You can still cheat. I mean, all these other all these other things are still there. Japanese women are just not doing it. They're just like, I feel, unfortunately, like, Japan is kind of the future of here. Sometimes I feel like that. i go get a mail at her husband. They're just not doing it. Japanese women are just opting out. They're just like, nope, not doing that. My life is just so much better mm-hmm. when I...
2: They're not dating altogether. They're just saying we're not going to meet people through artificial means.
0: They're just saying like nope to men. The heterosexual heterosexual ones. That's very sad, but that that's in my film too. That's coming, yeah, and it's coming because there's a lot of oh, it's maybe a bad choice of words, but it's because a lot of <laughs> I think the men had heter, heteros- ejaculate. I think a lot of men would rather deal with a robot than a real woman. Especially right, actually, if the
2: real woman they're used to is some sort of online avatar, right? It's just a logical next step of if you're someone, personalizing somebody, why not make them a machine? Well, actually, All someone that I is,
1: met online is making a robot of me. I'm not kidding. I, I just I haven't spoke to this person in nine months, ten months, eleven, and they what? sent me a model that they're they're beginning to create a robot of me
2: what you need to have on Wait, your phone is a pre-saved restraining order i think so you can should call your lawyer plugging in yeah i
0: lawyers. know but what this is all about this is the the reason for if i sound you know a little urgent and passionate about it it's because what it's really about is dehumanization i mean that's and we live in a time when an, i mean look who our president is i hate to get political but
2: it's impossible not to it's, yeah. it's impossible
0: not to when when it's become so acceptable to to For you know, in public discourse, to to talk about people in these these uh, dehumanizing ways, and the, even the president of the United States is doing it. And I think a lot of this has to do, unfortunately, with the online space and how we're just not treating each other with courtesy and respect. Whether whether you're hetero man, woman, wh- whatever, straight, gay, whatever you are, it just it's just people have become more and more disposable, and that's yeah. very dangerous. And the dating space does matter because it's not some frivolous subject. You know, it's often relegated to that idea because it's women care about it, you know, big air quotes. But really, it really speaks to really who we are. How 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 are you going to treat the people with whom you are having sex? Yep.
2: Has your research changed the way that you've dated?
0: Huh. Yes. <laughs> yes, a lot, actually. I've, I've had to just, in order to survive, in order to survive and not constantly be upset, which I think this is all upsetting, I have had to lower my bar of expectations so low. Just And I'm not saying I ever expected candy and flowers and poetry, although I used to get that, you know, back in the day, look up the pictures. But I just, no, I'm just kidding. But I we, we used to at least um, think that we were going to, be nice to each other. Remember on Sex and the City when Carrie gets broken up with the post-it note? Yeah. it's like such a shock.
1: I mean, that's... Well, now I was thinking about that. But now, actually, now it's like... Now... That's so nice. We would have something to hold on to. Now it's a <laughs> screenshot.
0: What are you going to go to Kinko's, no, print that out? now it's not even a post-it note. Now it's like ghosting. You can be having sex with someone for... And I've heard this from so many people. And it's happened to me too for a while. And then they just bounce. And it's like, they don't want to have, nobody wants to have a conversation. It's right. just like, you know, and we never said we were serious. Right.
1: <laughs> well, in my defense, I will say that sometimes I will ghost the person because I don't want to have to deal with it because I feel threatened or I feel like it's dangerous. And So for women, I think it's a little different. Yeah. For women, I think it's true. okay. But for men.
0: Well, okay. I, I mean, it's, it's hard to know what the rules are because right. there's, there are no more rules and boundaries and everything is a wild west. And, and case we, by case. We just don't know. But when it's a wild west. People are people are going to get shot, basically. Right. You know, and and so I feel like I've I've lowered my bar in ter- so much in terms of expecting people to just you know be respectful. Not that I will not that I will put up with anyone yeah. treating me with disrespect. I went through a period where I was uh, dating you know sort of much younger guys. And, oh, my God, the kinds of things that they, I would just really call them out. And, and they would just look at you, like, so baffled, like, what?
2: <laughs> like, they, they
0: have not ever been told that that's just not okay. Right. They've just grown up in this culture where girls, women, whoever, you know, just don't have to be treated like a human being, even.
2: Like, what kind of s- stuff? Is it people saying just mean things or people just being, I don't know, I'm just trying to.
0: I wouldn't say mean. I mean, I'm lucky. Unlike a lot of women that I've interviewed who've gotten those horrible, well, I've gotten the horrible messages, sure, but not really so much mean. It's just vulgar, uh, entitled, presumptuous. This is a few years ago. I was in my apartment, I was, my daughter was on a sleepover or something, and This young guy that I sort of had been on a couple of dates with, he came over to my house and we were like, we're just having fun, you know, and like drinking, dancing around, talking, whatever. I got really tired and I said, "Oh, this was so much fun. I'm gonna go to bed." And he said, "What?" Like he just expected that he was in my house, so of course he's gonna have sex with me. Like he just like what? Like it was just not even a thing that would occur to him that he would actually be in my house and not and he said to me like aren't you even gonna give me a blowjob wow
2: okay
0: and i've told that story to young women they're like oh yeah and some of them have said to me i've given the blowjob just to get them out of there right i've all you know when i was um, a little younger i remember i used to always
1: pay for myself on dates or you know pick up the check because i always felt in the back of my mind that a man you know the man i be going out with would expect sex or expect something especially you know i'd go out to really nice places sometimes i remember one time a guy took me out to a dinner that was about six hundred dollars and i didn't go home with him after and he kind of made a thing
0: about it that's always been actually that's interesting that you bring that up because that has that 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 tricky transactional element of dating has been a factor ever since dating started because back in the 19 teens and 1920s when women when I was telling you about how women started you know going out on dates with men they often didn't have jobs that were equal in pay to the men right and so the men were expected if you're gonna go somewhere to pay right and then there was this question of like am I paying for sex and there's all this kind of like weird stuff around that so I, to- I totally hear where you're coming from but The difference now is that now it's just like a lot of the time, honestly, Netflix and chill just come over. with. Oh, believe me. The bar
1: has lowered greatly. Okay, like uh, now I'll be disgusted. If someone if someone suggests we go Dutch, I'm not I am not sleeping with them
0: or kissing them or 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 seeing the one that I the one that I used to say so much was can I just come over with a bottle of wine? First of all, you know it's going to be some cheap-ass wine. Right. That, like, Trader Joe's, two-buck Chuck. <laughs> that you don't even want to drink. And second of all, like, I don't know you. Right. Like, w- why would I let you in my house with a bottle of You know what I was going to say? Yeah, I remember hit me my, on the head with that wine. Remember my great-grandmother, she
1: taught me about pet like petty cash. I remember when I, was, when I was like 10 years old. She said you always have to have a little change purse with like a secret $20 on a date. One day when you go on dates and then you could take out that secret wallet. I just remember that. I just remember it now. I hadn't thought about that for many years. She gave me this little tiny gold purse that's probably the size of my palm, and it had twenty dollars in it and a bunch of quarters. And she said, "You always. She says, one day you'll bring this on a date." That's one of the. Never
0: did. That's one of the things that women of the older generation know about that younger women should listen to. Keep your money. Yeah. But sometimes I also find that older women, women my age, do not understand what their daughters and and younger women are going through. And they can get very judgmental and dismissive because they don't really get it. Like one thing that is in our film, you know, you hear a lot from older women is like, well, they just give it up too easily. right? And they just sleep with them too fast. And there's a mother in the film and I love her. She's a wonderful, wonderful mom. And her daughters are great. We interviewed them. But she says this, basically she's saying like why they, that old adage of like why are they going to buy the cow. It's so it's sure. so insulting when they can get the milk for free. And then the camera shows her daughters and they just have this look on their face like, oh, my God, really? Because what's not understood in that, in that whole, you know, framework, first of all, it's, it's slut shaming. But also what's not understood is that like it's not like there's not a whole bunch of cows out there now. I mean to, to continue that vulgar image. Right. It's not like women are like, well, I went on the Bumble date and like I didn't have sex with him because I'm getting to um, to train him to know that he has to re- really date me and really get to, to know me. Well, he can just go home after your date with him on Bumble and go on Tinder. Right. And, and have sex with someone with his other person or maybe other people that he's having sex with. So it's sort of like, you know, th- all of these things that have, always sort of plagued women in terms of the power dynamic of dating have only been exacerbated by online dating and and mobile dating.
2: But I can imagine if I had a daughter and I had to be immersed in this type of research, that would either A, make me um, extremely paranoid, or B, force a lot of conversations that maybe I didn't necessarily want to have. I don't know. I mean, how do you, do you you sit down and you talk to her about this stuff? Of course.
0: I mean, you just said a conversation. That's the thing is that you have to talk about these things, you know, and and sometimes it is uncomfortable. I've, I'm writing a memoir now, it's coming out next year, that involves online dating, but also just, I've been looking back into my own history with sex and love and dating and all this kind of stuff, and I realized that my mother, as much as I love my mother, she never told me any of this stuff, like never had a conversation with me about it. And I would say that my mom, in so many ways, was a great mom, but this is a glaring a glaring absence of talk about what is probably one of the most important things that you can talk to your your daughter or son about, which is, well, we have words for it now, rape culture, misogyny, um, sexual violence, all of these things. I was raped when I was 14 years old. And I, I really think that partly why it happened was I just didn't know that it was a, a danger. I mean, of course, I knew that you know like in movies and stuff like that scary thing would happen but i didn't know how common it was i didn't know how much of a thing it was i didn't know the signs or 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 ways to protect myself or what consent was or anything and i spent a whole lot of my life thinking that it was my fault because I, nobody ever talked to me about it and i don't want my daughter to ever god forbid go through any of that and it's just it's just something that we have to talk to girls and boys about, even before they're teenagers, I think. I mean, in an age-appropriate way. But if you don't, it will happen. It just makes a huge difference. And I'll tell you what else it does. It draws you closer to them. It makes your relationship with them better and more intimate because... They're, you're sharing with them what they need to know the silencing of women my age and my mom's age the silencing of our experience is part of misogyny too because if you don't share it this idea that like if you tell it like oh you're dirty or bad or you know there was something wrong with you why did you put yourself in that situation all this kind of stuff the silencing of all of that makes the younger generation more vulnerable